welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast for this special edition from Mexico City as we're journeying and we're pilgrimaging, we're on mission with hope of the poor. And as it says in Matthew 25, 40, whatever you did for one of the least of my people, that you did unto me. Or in Spanish, we say, a me may lo he ceaste. Today, I have two extraordinary young people who are joining me on the show, Marie and Zach from Chicago. We're going to be talking about mission. We're going to be talking about discovering the heart of Jesus and continuing to enter into a life of community, journeying on with others, our brothers and sisters in the faith. Life to the Fullest podcast is brought to you by EF3 Life. Make sure to visit ef3life.com for great faith-based books and resources like my latest inspirational work of literature entitled The Saint Next Door, Practicing Heaven by Living Love and Discovering God's Holiness Within. A special thanks to Bishop Ed Sharpenberger from the Diocese of Albany for his endorsement and contributions. Check out other books like my bestseller, Fire Burning Within, and more episodes of this podcast as we journey on together to grow closer to the heart of God. For the latest updates, follow us on social media at EF3Life. And as always, keep living life to the fullest. Well, welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast. We're here live from Mexico City on mission with Hope of the Poor, currently at the convent of Las Hermanas de Concepciones. I'm joined here by two faith-filled friends, Marie and Zach, who are joining us as we discuss mission and encountering the hidden Christ and the poor. Thank you both for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks, Dan. So it's amazing to be here with about a dozen or so young adults coming from a variety of places around the country. We have members from Seattle, Lynchburg, Virginia, Albany, New York, and then the Windy City, where both of you hail from. And it's a great place to be here on mission. We're here with Bishop Scharfenberger, as well as a newly ordained Dominican priest. Certainly good company, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to talk about mission. We're going to talk about pilgrimage to Tapiac Hill. We're actually going to be going again to uh, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And certainly Juan Diego appeared here. She appeared to him in 1531. But I want to get into mission. I want to get to the heart of the matter of why we're here to serve. We're here to encounter Christ and the poor. And yesterday we were here at the city dump where over a thousand people live and work. And for both of you, you certainly have had encounters this week. I want to talk about that and just hear your experiences and why mission is so important. So before we get into the real nitty gritty in the trenches with Jesus, Zach, you're a fireman, mm-hmm. right? You're somebody who's a public servant, a real care for other people. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to this place to come on mission with Hope of the Poor. Like I've said before, I've heard about this mission uh, many years in a row just from mostly focus crowd, I think, people who've been involved in the past in that. So yeah, I've, I've heard about this mission uh, in years past and I've always been intrigued by it, but I never uh, got the opportunity really to go on it until this year. And uh, I think Marie, the other person who's joining us in the podcast here, she is the one who facilitated this go around. Um, but yeah, I've always been intrigued uh, and I really, for myself, wanted it a very immersive experience with the poor just because, I mean, honestly, in my daily work, I encounter the poor very frequently, but they're very, they're not as personal encounters. You know, obviously Chicago, there's tons of poverty, there's tons of drug use and all sorts of uh, brokenness. Um, but in like an emergency medicine situation, they're very quick, you know, hands-on situations, 
uh, for like 10, 15 minutes, and then you know you bring them out of the ambulance and then you're done. So there's not as much of an opportunity to create a relationship, way more impersonal. Um, and this is just an opportunity I feel like most people never, unless you work in the mission field, you just would never get this experience. Yeah, that's just so well said. It, it really calls to mind your heart to help other people, to be with other people, to walk and journey with them you know, in your career and then taking it here to Mexico so you have an opportunity, like you said, to build community, be part of a community, which is a beautiful thing because from my understanding, your friend Marie invited you to come here on mission and yeah. she's been here a number of times. So Marie, why do you keep coming back? What does... Being on mission here in Mexico City mean to you, and why invite others on mission? Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's a great question. So <clears throat> a few things. One is I grew up doing mission trips um, in other places, and what we would do is build, right? So you'd build, like, pipes or just kind of come in and leave. And so when I originally came here, I was invited by um, some fo previous focus missionaries as well in 2018. So this is about my fourth time, I think. And, you know, when I came and I encountered these people, what I absolutely loved about Hope of the Poor specifically is that um, they and we specifically want to form intentional relationships with people, right? So you can come here once and never come back again, right? But even during that time, you're intentionally focused on the people that you're encountering, right? You're praying for them. You're thinking about them. You hear their stories, right? So that was so impactful for me and why I keep coming back is that this is not about come and leave, right? This is about invest in the people you know, that you are meeting, you're listening to their stories intently, you're thinking about them, right, as we're doing our work. Um, you know, when we go to the trash dump, I've seen the same people, you know, four years in a row, right? Um, some of the kids I kind of look forward to seeing. Um, so that's one main reason for me is just that I love, you know, a huge part of my story is just that I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ as much as I would have loved growing up. I had a very like moralistic view of God. So when I came here, it was like, wow, like this is not about like all the things we do, right? To serve God. It's like, no, who are we? Like we are human beings, you know, how can I be with these people? How can they be with me? Right. And how can we find Christ in each other? And just like, you know, Christ is, Christ is so much more than just all the things that we do, right? Mm. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is that there's a lot of women here who are um, not just poor, but they've been sexually abused. They've had um, drug addictions. Praise God, I've never had to, you know, I've never been in those two situations. But as a woman, it's so impactful for me to see the resilience. Like, I have so many personal struggles in my life, as we all do, right? But, you know, when I get down about myself a lot, a lot and when I come here and when I, like, remember about these women here, like, they have been through total hell and they have come out the other side, right? But it's not just that they came out, it's that they pushed through the struggle, right? And they encountered Christ and they trusted Christ. And so often in my life, I look to myself, right? I pity me or like, I'm the victim. Why is this happening to me? And I come here, I'm like, these women, they get it. You know, they get it. Absolutely. And what Hope of the Poor is doing as they invite people like us on mission is they're building what you both talked about, a community. Something to really help us solidify the faith to journey with people when it comes to what is the heart of Christ. And you mentioned it, Marie, that it's not about necessarily all about what we do. It's about showing up in people's lives. Craig talks about that and Danny all the time. And a lot of times people get this misunderstanding that when you go on mission, I have to leave having done X, Y, or Z, and that's all good. You know, there's so many things that are done, whether a school is built or something else is, is left behind. But really, what we're doing is we're showing up in people's lives and we're allowing Christ to work amongst us and be with him and see the hidden Jesus, which I really want to talk about in a moment. So it's 
important for everybody out there to understand that in your own life, there's a mission field and showing up every day is where Christ can then enter into that situation and bring it to full fruition. Now, Craig and Danny, who are leading the mission here, have built that community. We talked about the dump. We're going to get into that more. The street kids who are going to visit today. And yesterday we spent a number of hours breaking bread and sharing time with men and women and children throughout the city dump. What has moved each of you so far having two full days basically dumpster diving with Jesus? <laughs> um, you know, so Daniel Ledger, one of the service, or one of the men who runs Hope of the Poor, he characterized it pretty aptly the other day, something he said that I, I think is very relative to my own experiences. You know, he's been doing this for years, and basically what he said is that he's had so many encounters over these years that have taken him weeks, months, years just to process, and I feel like I'm still kind of in that state myself. You know, I, I kind of came with all of these expectations of these dramatic experiences I was going to have, and you know, like nothing in life ever, especially in the spiritual life, ever happens according to um, how we want it to go or how we think it's going to go, you know, uh, vice versa. But I would say some of the experiences that have stood out to me are, for example, the first day when uh, Craig was introducing his friend Miguel, who has worked in the dump, I mean, it seems as though probably 30 plus years mm -hmm. uh, since he said he was, you know, since he was yay tall. Um, and just his absolute humility, um, his faith, number one. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was choked up the entire time that Craig was translating as he was telling his experience, um, you know, he mentioned how his wife left him with their baby child years ago, 22 years ago or so, 21 years ago, and how he hasn't seen his family because of, you know, more or less the shame of his work in the dump. And um, he expressed one of the things that really has troubled him over the years is... Um, and point out the fact that many people think that there's no dignity in the work that he does. And to me, that was just such a powerful thing because, you know, I kind of relate it to more of an Opus Dei spirituality, you know, just the, the beauty of everyday work and offering up every intentional act for God. Um, but this man has been doing what we as, you know, first world Americans would probably, or most of us would consider to be, you know, extremely degrading and pointless work, sorting through trash in the dump in one of the most poor regions of the world. Um, and to our eyes, it looks like he's just tossing garbage to the side and, you know, picking up bottles and cans. But, you know, truthfully, if this man can, if this man has maintained a beautiful spiritual disposition, and it seems as though from his story and his encounters, like he has a very meaningful and personal relationship with Christ that you know, truthfully, I feel like I can't even relate to, mm. to the same degree, you know, we put so much emphasis on what we do in our accolades and, um, you know, just our status in the world as, as Americans. And, you know, there was something so beautiful about this man's story, how he believes that what he does, and I truly believe this too, is the work of God. You know, I mean, he is performing a vital function. He's scraping by making a living doing that and has struggled probably mo more than most of us could even begin to imagine. And um, 
I'm doing a, you know, a 30-day, 31-day consecration to St. Joseph right now. And I read a passage the other day that I've been thinking about in relation to Miguel, um, more or less speaking about the dignity and the quiet and humble service of work that this man has performed for his whole life. And it's just made me think of St. Joseph, you know, quiet, humble, and performed, you know, menial um, labor for most of his life. Mm. But this is the man who reared the Christ child, who brought Christ into the world. And honestly, I mean, I just found that to be the best connection. And I've been thinking about Miguel in that way and thinking about how God, no matter what our circumstances, will work to bring us closer to his son. Yeah, that's so well said. Having known Miguel now for four or so years, and you're just a prime example of somebody who is attesting the fact he leads other people closer to Christ. When you look in his eyes, you could see the face of Jesus. Yeah. You see holiness. You see sainthood. Yeah. You know, sometimes it makes me think in America where we have abundance and there's just such great wealth, there's so much spiritual poverty. You go into a place like the city dump and there's destitution, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, the people smile, they're radiating joy. And there's a reason why Craig just continues to just really hit home the fact that people have to experience life with the poor because the poor have special favor with God and they're not clouded by the other things of the world. Now, Marie, you've certainly established some great relationships with the women here. And seeing you interact with them and their daughters is certainly special beyond the telling of words. How has walking with them over the past four years impacted your own faith journey? Thanks, Dan. Great question. Um, yeah, so first of all, you know, when I've been here, you know, I see the families, and then when I see the kids, I totally light up. You know, I do think I have this gift, and I, I come alive when I get to encounter these kids. Um, so what's been impactful, and it kind of hit me yesterday when one of the women um, who, who kind of support, she was telling her story, and she's got four girls, I think all under the age of 10 or so, and then a, a son who's 15. Um, and he was out working on Saturday, you know, just like I think about when I was 15, I would babysit right Saturday night, but I could still have my whole day, you know, and it's just thinking about the dedication of these people. Um, but how it's impacted my own faith life. Um, what I love is how like much the mom is fighting for her kids and like sees this goal like at the end of like, I want my girls to like dream and uh, have goals and go after them and not be limited, right? So I think how that kind of relates to my faith life is, you know, really like be praying. Like I've been, I've been really thinking about what that looks like in my own life, you know, of goals and dreams and then also for them, you know? So I don't know. I think um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a consultant. I work a lot. I think a lot of people do, but you know, my job is very different than what I see here. And so it's like, the way I take that into my faith kind of back home in Chicago, the busy city life, the consultant, the traveling, you know, the just like high stress, right? It's just like really focusing on the simple things and like how to, how to focus on those, right? Um, so, I mean, kind of a roundabout answer related to my faith, but I think I used to make my faith so complicated mm. sometimes um, and would try to do, 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 or just like ask God for specific things and expect them to happen. And just finding like the simplicity, right? Like these people like don't, especially these women, like 
they do a lot, right? But they don't do much in air quotes compared to what my life might look like, you know, as far as activities that you're actually doing or people you're seeing. You know, I just think about, you know, I go to dinner all the time. I go to drinks all the time. These people aren't doing that as much. You know, they might have friends over for dinner, but it's really the communal life. So, yeah, I just think the women have inspired me in my faith to focus on the simple things. You know, they wake up. They get their kids to school and they go to work. You know, those are like the three things that they're doing every single day. You know, picking up their kids, they finish their work, they cook the food, and they're back at it. You know, they put their kids to sleep and then they're back at it. So, yeah, I think for me it's just the simple, simple prayer life, right? There's so many amazing prayers in the Catholic faith, but, you know, I used to get so bogged down in that. So really trying to focus on the simple conversation with God. And isn't that so true? There's so much beauty in the simplicity when we sometimes declutter our life it allows space for god to enter in and and that's a prime example of these women who are leading their kids they have been through so much turmoil in their life so much tragedy so many things they've had to persevere over and but there are people like craig and danny who believed in them and now they believe that they can overcome these things and they're showing their kids that no matter what you face in life with god by your side you can be transformed. Yesterday we celebrated the transfiguration. It helps me to understand and think about some really important words of journeying with others. And this comes from Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle, who is doing instrumental work like Craig and Danny in LA. And he said, it's not enough to take a stance on an issue. We must stand with people in the issue. And by showing up, we're doing that. But the coolest thing, the most profound thing that we've seen here on mission, we're going to see again today when they're giving the testimony in the park to upwards of 100 people who come, you know, homeless on the street, street kids, and they're sharing their stories, how impactful it is. Because it's one thing to overcome it. It's another thing to use it as a gift to help others through it. How in life, can we be a little bit more vulnerable? Can we allow God to enter into that space to share with other people maybe the hard to help them through the difficult times? Well, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess just off the cuff, kind of what comes to mind is just, you know, kind of leapfrogging off of the simplicity aspect that Marie was speaking about. I mean, it's not about overburdening yourself with all of these aspirations and all of these, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good thing to have plans and goals in life, of course, but, you know, what our circumstances each day are what is essentially given to us. That's our mission field. So whether or not we're encountering poor people, I mean, generally living and working in Chicago, like, you know, you're going to encounter the poor. And so that's hopefully one aspect where you can soften your heart and, you know, learn to see the humanity in these individuals. But more simple than that I mean every single day each one of us has a job to do um, and we go back to our families or to our friends or to our communities or our workplace and if we live and work each day with the intention of just growing closer to Christ I mean it sounds very simple um, but you know I really think there's something to the entire the, the more we bog ourselves down with all of these, you know, unnecessary things, it's just going to interrupt the flow and um, our relationship with Christ, truly. It's all just distraction. So, yeah, I mean, not very well thought out, but I guess what I think about is just simplicity. Just go back home or live your life with intentionality, you know. Everything you do, offer it up to God. 
Yeah, and then just to add on to that, I think like thinking about some practicals in my life, it's like with Bible studies or small groups, right, of people of the same, you know, gender, is like learning how to like open up, right, about your story a little bit. You know, we hear these like super deep things that a lot of these women are encountering. And, you know, I don't think I don't think we need to be vulnerable with every single person we come across, right? But really think about like, you know, I mean, who are the top like two or three people that you're closest with in your life, you know? I'm like really try to be open about that, right? Because I think we have to foster this environment of vulnerability in our faith of where we're struggling, right? And um, and then I think it will help them be more open too, right? And we can grow that way. Because I think so much of, you know, the spiritual life growth and where we see these women, like I think about, like if I were to tell all these things that these women went through, like I said, the sex abuse, like the rape, uh, you know, obviously included in that, the drug addiction, you know, my first partner left me, my second partner left me, right? Like that's all really shameful stuff if you're not convicted of the gospel, you know, and you're not like able to forgive yourself. And so I think about like, okay, like what are the things in my life that I'm almost like scared to tell people, right? Or fearful. Um, and again, there's a time and place to talk about these things and, and the, the right type of people in your life. But I do think it's important as I reflect like, what are some things I'm afraid to talk about? And like, how can I push myself and like trust that the Lord's going to heal me through that if I just open up about it? You know, we were talking to someone on the trip who's a little bit scared to even tell her coworkers and like a big, you know, kind of like manufacturing airplane, you know, engineering type of company. And, um, you know, just to say like, hey, I was on a mission trip in Mexico City. You know, like it's, it's hard, right? We have to be bold though, right? That's something that, um, that I'm learning and I think we can kind of take that back as we, as we go back is just fostering the vulnerability to then like, allow each other the space to grow in our faith in that area. The Life to the Fullest podcast is brought to you by EF3 Life, a proud supporter of Hope of the Poor. Make sure to visit hopeofthepoor.org and follow them on social media to learn more about how you can get involved. Join Craig Joring and experience Christ on Mission in Mexico City or aid this great nonprofit's faithful work through donations that feed the hungry and provide education to children. A me may low he ceaste. Whatever you do for the least of mine, you do unto me. Hope of the poor, encountering Jesus through love. And that's why it's so important to foster community. Mm-hmm. Whether near or far, because it all comes down to two things, trust and love. And when you're part of a community that has that trust and that love, it then creates a space of hospitality, really, for you to be able to share the hard, to be okay with not being okay, because you know who have people that are going to help you to carry the crosses that you face. And it's interesting here being on mission, we're also part of a retreat here and a pilgrimage. And I think it kind of is thematic for our own lives. You know, each of us is on this journey. We're pilgrimaging with one another as the body of Christ throughout the world. We're also, in a sense, on retreat with God every day that we allow him into our hearts. And hopefully then we have that space and the ability to be open to where he's calling us to be so that way we can go out into the mission field. Going forward from here, leaving Mexico City after experiencing, you know, Four or five days of intense mission where you're with people who are so inspirational, encouraging. You're with your fellow brothers and sisters, part of the church. You're with the bishop, other priests. How do we carry this forward from here? Because so oftentimes people will leave so changed and then what? How do we continue to make sure that we're building it wherever we are, whether it's in Chicago, Seattle, Albany, wherever we're taking the Lord? I say... For myself personally, um, 
I intend to foster a greater devotion to Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I mean, I think that is a, you know, I've been to several Marian apparition sites around the world, like, thanks be to God. But nothing is quite like, you know, I feel like Fatima's a message. Lord's is more of a, um, it, it's kind of like a, an idea of healing, you know, but just the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I feel as though I've never really been able to relate to because it's just, it's always seemed to me to be an ethnic thing. You know, like you drive around the city sure. and stuff and, you know, people of Hispanic origin always have like a, Our Lady of Guadalupe sticker on their car or that sort of thing. And, um, you know, obviously it's Our Lady. I've always had respect for it, but until I've come here and I actually kind of feel as though in a way I've been baptized into this Mm. this culture and this movement uh so to speak it's just such a you know obviously you know the the miraculous nature of the image itself the science behind everything um but just the sheer numbers you know millions and millions and millions of people can converted within years without bloodshed or coercion or anything like that i mean that's miraculous so for myself just thinking about how now i have a direct relation and i have I feel like I'm be beginning to build a relationship with Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, I think I'm going to go forth with that as my banner from now on, you know, truthfully, or at least, um, yeah, be able to carry that more, uh, more faithfully into the world. How about you, Murray? Yeah, so kind of going along with that, Zach, it made me think about, um, this is my fourth time, and there's, you know, images here that we can purchase, or, you know, there's a gift shop of the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and we heard a lot of stories yesterday about um, just people's experiences with miraculous healing just from an image of Our Lady. So for me, I think I'm going to buy images and put them all over my house, you know, like I've always been a little scared to have a little one on my fireplace, but, you know, that is something practical in my own life. Um, and then also be trusting her to lead the people in my life to Christ because mm. that's a huge thing that like I've noticed or learned here is that like a lot of Craig's work, a lot of the work here is not just on their own merit and it's not necessarily just praying to the Lord, but it's asking our lady to heal, you know, pray for people for the Lord to heal them in certain mm -hmm. ways, you know, so think that, and then I think about like, okay, like what are practical things outside of prayer? Of course, that's the most important thing. Um, but you know, I tutor once a week, but I haven't really fully been convicted of like what my like service in Chicago is. I used to work with a lot of kids in Atlanta and different mission groups and growing up, I absolutely love working with kids. And just with COVID, it was hard to find something in person, right? When I moved up about two and a half years ago. So I think practically, you know, I need to set a schedule, write it down in my calendar of like, okay, once a month, you know, where can I serve? And really be, maybe I'll ask our lady, you know, like, okay, you know, our lady, where do you want me to give back? Right. Cause I think I have the gift and the passion with kids specifically and then also with women there's just such a need right now for women to know their worth and their value because the world is telling us that women don't even exist right mm. um and so and we're all the same and it's like that's not true right god has given women a specific gift so that's my practical thing i love that i love how you're tying into both personal relationship with the lord but allowing the blessed mother to lead you and to guide you to the heart of her son and i think devotion to our lady specifically our lady guadalupe 
having the opportunities every day to seize what God is opening up the doors. But I think being intentional about it is so important. You know, so oftentimes young people, especially, we get inundated with our work schedules, with busyness, with social events and whatnot, and all that stuff is good. But if we take a little bit of a step back, if we can have opportunities throughout the course of the year, maybe even a couple times, whether it be to come on mission or go on retreat, or to have some time and space to just share the beauty that God has and him to allow him to work on our heart and really to like sister Rosario talked about this yesterday. She said, if you open up the space to God and you ask Jesus to lead you closer to his mother, she then will lead you closer to her son. And it was just such a beautiful (laughs) thing. I know everybody listening to that could resonate with it, right? They, They were feeling energized. I mean, not to mention the joy that she was speaking from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just her little smiling face was just, it brought tears to my eyes, honestly, just to see the joy and, uh, yeah, just just the conviction there. Yeah. And, we, and we've been so blessed to be here um, with the sisters for the past few days, as well as Craig and Danny, Hope of the Poor. Make sure you go to www.hopeofthepoor.org. Please get involved in mission. Help out in any way that you can, especially with prayers, intentions. And we thank you both for joining us today. We're really excited to go out there on mission. And as always, keep living life to the fullest. So this week, as we journey on, as we're journeying from this mission out into the new mission field that God calls each and every one of us to, the challenge is to keep God at the heart of it all, to allow the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe, to share with us the joy and the sorrows of her son, so we can grow closer to the Lord in community every single day. My hope is that every day, each of us can encounter Christ in one another and in the poor. Thank you for joining us today on the Life to the Fullest podcast to know that you are heard, you are seen, and that God loves you.